Hi everyone, I'm Jake Nomchef and you're listening to the Land, Fam, and Friends Podcast. Alright guys, so this is episode two of the Land, Fam, and Friends Podcast and I'm here with Sean Hiller from Vulcan Performance Rehab and Recovery. A lot of you guys who come to the gym obviously know him. You know his lovely wife, Ellie, who also coaches at the gym. And Sean is always the guy in the back that whenever something's hurting on you guys or something's going wrong or you need some help, and it's out of my realm of uh, possibility for me to work with you, then what I do is I send you back here to Sean and you see him and he's helped a ton of you guys. And so I'm really excited just to talk with him today and kind of get just his background and his story on VP2R. And then we're going to talk a little bit about movement, uh, which is something that Sean's just really passionate about. So Sean, uh, go ahead, man. Just introduce people to you if they don't know you, kind of, you know, your background, where you came from, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, like Jake said, I'm, Sh- I'm Sean Hiller. Um, so my background kind of, uh, in high school, I played football and basketball, ran track, uh, stuff like that. It was kind of a big fish in a really small pond. Um, went to a really small 1A school. Um, basketball is my passion. I got into basketball a ton, um, played every chance I had, um, got a small scholarship or got a scholarship to go play at a, a junior college at Shelton State in Tuscaloosa and took off up there and became a small fish in a really big pond and I uh, had to learn how to, how to adapt um, going from high school to really small high school ball to college ball. Um, but I went there um, after Shelton I left and I graduated from Alabama so roll tide. Um, went from that's right, real time. Went from uh, went from Alabama. Got to PT school. And when I got to PT school, that's when um, I was introduced to CrossFit. Had a really good buddy of mine who saw me in the gym. I was just you know working out, doing your traditional chest and chi- tries, you know back and by stuff like that. And um, he said, "Dude, you got to try CrossFit." So I went off to the gym, tried CrossFit, and the first workout was um, overhead squats and burpees. Those are the only two movements, and I quickly learned that I had no idea how to move. And um, it just drove me nuts because uh, I was literally, I just got into PT school. I'm thinking, if I'm going to teach this stuff, I'm going to preach this stuff. I've got to know how to do it. And obviously, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, that was my first real taste of anything besides like speed camps and, and agility drills and stuff like that, like you do in football and basketball. Um, and I started just nerding out on it from there uh, a ton and just really fell in love with the body. I was introduced at that point to, uh, a guy named Mike Bergner, who's a big CrossFit guy. There was a strength conditioning summit, um, at South. Um, and Mike Bergner was one of the speakers and they had some awesome speakers. And Mike Bergner had, um, a guy from Exos who come down to Spain. There's, there's some great speakers, but Bergner did this thing to where he would take you through the Bergner warm-up, and part of his full warm-up is sitting at the bottom of an overhead squat with a PVC pipe over your head. And if if you can understand the level of pain I was in sitting at the bottom of a squat holding a PVC pipe over my head for someone who had never done an overhead squat, it was a disaster. I remember looking over and seeing some of the people in the room who were doing CrossFit, and they're just like chilling, they're just whistling, you know, happy as can be in this position. And I'm dying right there, thinking, how are these 50-pound girls doing this stuff? And I'm literally about to throw out my spine trying to do this, and it drove me up the wall. Um, so after that, I, I kind of took. I really didn't do CrossFit for about two months because I was so fed up with how I moved, and I just worked on movement for two months the best way that I that I knew how. And um, kind of went from there, dove, dove into a lot of the big boys, started reading books by like Stuart McGill, um, Kelly Sturette, he was probably my favorite guy on the planet for a long time, um, Eric Cressy, Charlie Weingraff, Dave Tilly, all these movement gurus and strength conditioning gurus and just ate up every little thing they were saying and wanted to just get into as much of that as I could. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, um, man, I remember you just talking about overhead squats and stuff <laughs> like that. Like I remember when I first started CrossFit, there was – a workout called Lumberjack 20, which no one even knows what this is anymore, but it was a hero workout back then. And we did like an event at the gym. I've been doing CrossFit for maybe probably three months at the time. And I came in with like just kind of some good flexibility. Like I could do a PVC overhead squat. That stuff wasn't that bad for me, but this had like 115 pound overhead squats for 20 reps. And at that time, y'all, we had no idea what we were doing. I remember in the middle of the overhead squats, I took my shoes off because for some reason I thought that would make me better able to do an overhead squat if I didn't have shoes on. And it was just, yeah, it's just crazy how coming into a functional fitness facility or anything like that, functional training, 
anytime you start doing these movements that challenge you with full range of motion, it's just one of those things that is really eye-opening for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't realize how much function they've lost. Um, And that was certainly the case with me. But, but yeah, so tell us a little bit just about VP2R and kind of, you know, how you got the idea, really, to go into business for yourself and kind of create VP2R and, you know, where did that come from? Okay, well, it really started all. It really started all back then with the movement stuff. Like it really started at that moment when I was there and I was in PT school, and we're le- we're learning we're learning a lot of stuff. But I remember I went to PT school to really I wanted to become an expert in the body. I wanted I I, I nerded out on the body. I loved it, and I honestly I got to PT school and realized that we weren't getting some of the things that I wanted to get from it. So that's when I started all those guys, the Storette, Cressy, all those guys. I looked into them a ton. And uh, I really, really wanted to know how the body worked. And I wanted to know why it works the way it does, what makes us operate, kind of what makes us tick movement-wise. And um, so the more I got into movement, the more I realized that physical therapy is really just another branch of strength conditioning. It's not, wow. it's, it's not a standalone thing. It is a branch under a strength conditioning umbrella. Um, but we have to take into account things like tissue healing principles. We have to take into account the tensile resilience of different structures. We have to take into account all pain science, all these different psychological things that go into it. But we have to do the same thing with strength conditioning. Um, the same, there's like, I remember hearing of a, a Russian coach a long time ago who used to train his guys by putting garbage bags over the end of the barbells. So he would never tell them what they were lifting. Every day he would say, okay, you're hitting 85% right now, but they couldn't tell it's on the barbell. You're hitting 95%. He would tell them they're hitting 95%, but they're actually hitting 110%, mm. something they had no idea because mentally he was taking that out of the picture. He was controlling it all. Everything's so psychological, and we have to know wow. the different aspects. The same things that go into all that stuff go into pain science and all of these different aspects. And um, so I'm going through all this stuff. Back then I'm trying to learn all these strength conditioning principles, and I'm, the more I'm learning about it, the more I'm understanding that the foundation of anything is truly the strength conditioning principles, and that's the research and physical therapy backs it it backs heavy slow resistance program. it backs how do we create the appropriate stress on a tissue and really on the mind to progress someone along through an injury or even through training it's really the same two things it's just you have two different starting lines your starting line for health and fitness should be ground zero you're not injured you're starting to build your body rehabilitation you're starting from an injury perspective trying to get back to ground zero to build back from there it's just two different starting points but the psychology is the same yeah really so that's kind of where it all started um, with Vulcan performance and it was really very movement based I wanted to uh, take the ideas that I had and, and kind of run for it I worked in some places where I was I was seeing a very high volume of patients I was seeing a ton of patients and couldn't couldn't really implement the things I wanted to with strength conditioning just because there was so I had so much thrown out just just organizationally trying to control four patients in the room at the same time and there I couldn't give quality in that regard so I wanted to create something where I could literally deliver a health smorgasbord literally deliver what I thought what I think is the epitome of health and fitness and put that on the table and the only way I found to do that is through a very personalized approach very strength conditioning based approach and uh, through an approach that you can really teach people and not you know not make not just hand somebody fish but make a fisher of men um, from people and that's really what I'm trying to do I'm just a guide through the body I want to guide you through these things but you're the one doing the heavy lifting and the work literally heavy lifting and work yeah and that's I mean that's a great analogy that you have where it's not really analogy with this principle of talking about where people who are going through rehab they're trying to get from you know a negative state essentially trying mm-hmm. to get back to ground zero just let's restore function and then strength conditioning we're taking people from a zero right all the way up to trying to increase levels of performance all that kind of stuff but the principles that are used for both of those processes are the same mm-hmm. essentially yeah right? they are and i mean i think you see now especially in the crossfit space what you see is you see a lot more over the years people have gotten smarter about their training you're starting to see more of especially in accessory work and like prehab and rehab protocols that people give right of those physical therapy principles and the movements that they use during physical therapy starting to come into the performance realm even mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. right yeah um and so yeah that that's a really cool thing thing to see and something on mo- movement too is i think movement is highly um misunderstood as far as like what what it does for the body i mean really like i talk about pain science. i mentioned pain science and physical therapy but basically what are we trying to teach somebody if you have pain in an area pain 
is incredibly complex in the human body and it's the same way as if you're out in the gym and you don't have pain. You code things very similarly. If Say for instance one day um, you're trying to hit a heavy clean and you fall backwards on it. Whether you hurt yourself or not, that's a fear that you develop and all of a sudden every time you get up to 285 again on that clean because that's the weight that, that you had to bail on, all of a sudden you develop a block in your head that's really, you're really not limited musculoskeletally, you're limited mentally. And then you have to kind of fight through that wall. It's very similar. You take somebody who was in physical therapy and they were, and they, I don't know, they hurt their wrist doing a handstand push-up. Um, you could have total great functionality of that wrist, great strength. They could be pressing 300 pounds overhead, but as soon as you put them back in a handstand push-up, that fear comes back and they can't do it. So you have to go through battles like that, and it's really the same thing. Just we have to have a little bit more of just the healthy side. Like what, what's the timeline of um, of proper hit tissue healing, things of that nature. We have to keep that into account. Or we're going to rush somebody back before they're ready, and then we're really involving that pain cascade right. along the way. Yeah. And for those of you guys who don't know, Sean has a video of him failing a clean backwards at 285, <laughs> and it's really funny to see some reactions in that video. Maybe we'll we'll. Uh, that's that. a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so tell me. I mean, essentially, you got the idea behind creating VPR VP2R, but you know, why did you want to create it? Like, what kind of is your driving motivating force behind waking up every morning, coming in here, and wanting to you know treat people? Yeah, um, really the, the motivating force behind physical therapy is I just thought there was a huge chasm between quality and what people were actually getting. And I really thought that could be a niche that I provided was, was quality. Mm-hmm. And get really show people how not only to move, but the, the different thought processes behind rehab, behind training, because they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. And if I really thought if I could give people quality, then um, that would really come around. They'd really see the effect of that, and I could take take people and they could run with their own rehab without me sitting there having to, you know, see people multiple times a, a week for, for years to come and, you know, always have that model of, um, somebody always having to con- every time the injury comes back they have to come back to you I want to teach someone how to treat their own injury so when they come back to me it's for something they never faced before or they send a family member to me because I did a good job with them and they know how to treat themselves um, what really gets me going is when I have somebody come in and we had that light bulb come off we've been working on movement principle working on a movement principle and they just haven't get it and all of a sudden boom they get the principle and all of a sudden that's a concept you don't have the answer to an equation you understand the equation and you can solve a little bit out from there and I really enjoyed doing that and getting this personal side of it and seeing the different things that, that drives people. Some people want to, I mean, you, I hear so many different, I ask everybody at the beginning, at the end of every evaluation I ever do, like, what, what does the end of your therapy look like? What, what's, what does the end game look like for you? And some people say, man, I just want to be able to roll out of bed without pain. Some people say, I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle right now. I can't do it without limping. It's just different things like that. So, uh, um, I think really what gets me going is teaching people the fundamentals of movement and lim- let, letting them take those fundamentals and run with them yeah. instead of me just being a babysitter. I'm not a babysitter. Yeah. And so you've talked a ton so far just about movement principles in general, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so can you elaborate on that a little bit, bit and just in terms of like, you know, what has attracted you to placing such a heavy focus on movement? Mm-hmm. I think for any physical therapist, really any anybody in fitness you have to understand movement to know um to take the outliers out for instance um i had a lady one time for physical therapy and um she had a an injured shoulder and um she came in and i'm not a big fan of people going to get uh going to get mris or imaging or stuff like that because it's like flipping a coin you get an mri that, i remember there's a study out there that they took um a ton of mris of people who were asymptomatic who had no pain and it came back that 80 percent of those people had some sort of rotator cuff tear 60 to 70 percent of them had some type of lumbar disc bulge but none of them have pain and all of a sudden you show these people who don't have pain their mri results and they half of them start developing pain just because they saw right. the mri results it's like flipping a coin it's not a huge fan but i remember we're going through this stuff with um with this woman and none of my movement principles were really showing up for her so that kind of led me along the path of thinking something's out of line here something's not right and it was one of the few times I said, hey, I think you need to go off and get an x-ray or something like that. And sure enough, we had a bone spur that was coming up. And bone spurs literally changed the anatomy. Thus, the movement principles aren't going to work as well. So knowing your movement principles gives you a really good foundation. But also, if we're talking about in a strength conditioning sense, um, the same movement principles that help you stay out of pain, that help, that help you move away, it's those same principles that help you back squat more, that help you overhead squat more, help you snatch more. Um, all these different things. And the coolest thing about these movement principles is that they're universal. 
across no matter what you do across every sport every movement every athletic feat every way you sit every way you get out of a car when you're driving down the road it's all the same the movement principles are universal they're totally transitional you can watch watch um uh, 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 some Chinese weightlifter hit a heavy snatch. You'll see just the beautiful asymmetry of the, bo- the symmetry of the body, knees driving out. And then you can watch, um, you can go watch some of the greatest ballerinas in the world. And you'll see whenever they do a plie, you will see the thing that you hear coaches scream across every gym in the nation: "Knees out, drive your knees out, or knees over toes, whatever it is." I don't even know if the coach really knows what they're saying with that, but when you watch that ballerina hit the plie, you'll see that knee drop. Her knees are in line with her toes, or her knees are slightly outside of her toes, the same way as we see a heavy back squat. Why is that? Because the ballerina is looking for a way to be more aesthetically pleasing to her fans, more aesthetically pleasing to the people looking at her in the crowd, and that just happens to be the same movement principle that allows you to control a snatch at the bottom. And they're all the same. They're very universal all the way around. And I think that's the coolest thing about it is if you can understand the concepts of movement, that'll take you far in life. And everywhere you go, it'll keep you out of injury and it'll help you be more proficient, efficient out there in the gym. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, um, I mean, those movement principles that we talk about, you know, they teach it in CrossFit L1 that these functional foundational movements, right, they're movements that are found in nature. They're movements that you're going to see universal, right, and the principles can apply in so many different aspects and so many different areas. And so, yeah, um, so movement and CrossFit, right? Let's talk about this real quick because most of the people who are going to be listening to this probably (laughs) are CrossFitters, probably members of CrossFit Laminin or some other CrossFit gym in the area. You know, they've heard of me, they've heard of you, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, what are some pros that you see? Because it's undeniable that CrossFit has changed just the fitness industry, you know, in the past 10, 15 years, okay? People are not training the way they used to be, right? Like when, when I first started this, no one... You just see it really now with the level of athlete that comes into the gym off the street. They, It's really hard for me to find someone, especially if they have any sort of like sport background in high school. They're coming out of high school, coming into college, something like that, or joining the gym. Like they've done, you know, a good bit of functional movements that just were not around or we weren't practicing anyways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I was in that in that state. And so, yeah, what are some pros that you see? We'll start with the pros first, and then okay. we obviously know there's some cons <laughs> as well. So what are some pros that you see in regards to like the CrossFit and, and movement? So some of the pros, I think CrossFit incorporates the greatest expressions of full body movement. Um, I don't know of any other fitness regimen that challenges the movement of an individual like CrossFit does. Um, to be good at CrossFit, you have to be a very proficient mover if you're, gonna, if you're going to be good. And if um, CrossFit also mind warps people like it's amazing to see people who come in who are just these average joes i mean uh you come in you eat and you have these average people thinking and eating and and thinking about their their movement their life and their recovery as an elite athlete would you don't see that any other place i mean um, i don't know of any fitness avenues that alter mindsets just like crossfit uh you also have people who go from getting into the gym once or twice a week and eating fried chicken and potatoes and and you know potato chips to twice to being in the gym twice a day right. and and keeping up with their recovery. They're all of a sudden they're sleeping with their phone on their bed because their phone's tracking how well they sleep. All yeah. of a sudden they can meal prep on Sunday and they can break down their macros just by eyeballing it. Like that's I don't know of any Sunday pickup basketball player who has ever had that much of a transition. Right. You know, so yeah. CrossFit really does have it psychologically changes you if you can dive in and you can really drink the Kool-Aid. And I think you need to drink the Kool-Aid. Um the, and that kind of leads into the cons a little bit, though, is that a lot of folks don't understand what it takes to be an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, these elite yeah. athletes, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do if you're gonna train like an elite athlete, you have to recover like one. You have to sleep like one. You have to eat like one. You have to treat your body like one. If you're gonna train for four hours a day, you probably need four hours of recovery or warm up too to get that in. It's just right. it's an it's an incredible commitment to really be elite at anything. And CrossFit's no exception. It's a, it's a huge commitment. Um, but I do think the cons of CrossFit are blown out of the water, just like a lot of things. Um, lots of folk, folks bring up the injury rates that people see with CrossFit. But the truth is, CrossFit's like 
seven or eight on the list of, of injury rates. And that's because um, anything we turn into a competitive sport, your injury right. rates are going to skyrocket no matter what yeah. it is. So we've got to find um, a way to blend the two. So mm-hmm. one is if you're going to do the elite athlete thing, you got to, like I just said, you got to eat like one, you got to sleep like one, you got to tri- recover like one, all those things. But I think a bigger thing, the big, biggest way we can do is educate people on um, shifting the idea from CrossFit being a sport to turning CrossFit into just a really good median yeah. to control your health and wellness and your fitness. Without a doubt. And, and, you know, and we don't have to go in and max out heavy every time. We don't have to go in and, and redline every workout. Like, there's, a, I mean, if you're doing a workout and all of a sudden you're on rep 30 of your thrusters and your form's looking like mashed potatoes, maybe yeah. you need to drop the bar and calm yeah. down a little bit um, because you got to go to work the next day. So I think we got to shift that a little bit. I think it's the greatest avenue and the greatest expression we have to attain a great level of health and fitness. But if we don't treat it like it is health and fitness, if we treat it like a sport that we're, our bodies aren't prepared for, then we need to be ready to suffer the consequences of not preparing correctly so we can go as far as we want to with it but I think we need to treat it like health and fitness yeah without a doubt and I want to touch on two points there the first one being that you know you look at like I think movement uh, a lot of times it gets I guess what I'm trying to get at is that because of the sport aspect of it right because we have a whiteboard and because we have times being put up People just get caught up in trying to chase one another and they get caught up way too much in trying to go too fast, too quick, too soon, mm-hmm. right? They want to train like the people that they see on TV and all that, you know, and I'm talking about the people who have somewhat of a competitive bone in their body, mm-hmm. right? They're going to come in here and they're going to go hard every day. But the problem is, is that what they don't realize is when you see Matt Frazier, or I think Rich Froning is actually probably the best example of it. When you see those guys start to get fatigued, their movement actually gets better. Yeah. Whereas for most of us, like 99% of the population, when we start to get fatigued, our movement goes to crap. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's one of those things where they're not realizing that, okay, I I can't do what they're doing. Okay, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you can't get there. Maybe you can, all right, if your parents are genetic freaks and you can – have nothing but yeah you can sleep for 10 hours a day and not have any other responsibilities other than just working out Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but you have to build that foundation of movement Mm -hmm. like you can't get around it and the fittest people are always the best movers and they always will be and you gotta understand too crossfit doesn't preach perfect movement either if you go to an l1 seminar they preach i think they preach about 80 percent of perfect movement which so you already have to bring that to the table that you're doing a sport where perfection's not even you're not even seeking perfection in your movement so that's already something you have to think about if you're doing the greatest example to me is um is like if you're doing muscle snatches or power snatches and you see a high volume of those odds are you're not going to be doing a perfect hip hinge every time odds are you're going right. to be doing a lumbar hinge yeah and that's a whole different thing but the good thing about crossfit is if you train it correctly if you use it for health and fitness you can develop a pretty good resilience to lumbar flexion Your lumbar flexion is a fine movement there's no reason why you can't do it um but the thing is you have to give your body time to develop resilience it's right. just like you can't go from back squatting 200 pounds to 350 all of a sudden you're just going to tear something up yeah you have to go you know go through the progressions of getting there it's just it's just like anything else without doubt and then i think there's another really good point there just in terms of we do need to designate like a clear line of demarcation between doing crossfit for the sake of being a sport and doing crossfit for the sake of health and wellness and longevity oh yeah and all those kind of things and just like sean said you know you come in here and i'm speaking to our members right now specifically <laughs> so you know we don't encourage you to come in here and go 100 percent every day like we understand that you know what? Sometimes you've had a long day at work. You've been there for eight, nine hours. You just want to come into the gym, still do what's on the board, but not have to worry about giving it 100% because you've already given 100% of your effort yeah. eight hours a day doing your work and doing your job and other responsibilities that you have. And when we talk about having a balanced lifestyle and a balanced life and longevity, all that kind of stuff, you have to understand that you're playing the long game, right? And um, and that's something I think that's missed on, on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, okay, so some of the misconceptions, right, on how people think about movement specifically, right? Yeah. Where would you kind of go down the rabbit hole with that? Uh, there's two big ones um, I th- that I think of all the time. Uh, I think number one is the concept of mobility, or the myth of mobility. Yeah, I would say. Good one. I would. I would say that. Um, 
mobility really is just a byproduct of stability or and stability is just a byproduct of how well you understand a movement or how well your body understands a movement. The, the, body, the body doesn't look at shoulder flexion. It doesn't, it doesn't think about hip flexion. The body, encodes, the body encodes things and learns things via movement patterns. So if you're about to attempt an overhead squat, your body basically says, okay, overhead squat, engage overhead squat pattern. It doesn't say, okay, overhead squat, engage core stability 80%, external rotation torque at the hips to 130 degrees of hip flexion, shoulder stable at 180 degrees of flexion, medial arch support at the ankles. It doesn't think about all that. All it says is, okay, overhead squat pattern. And whatever you have told it is your overhead squat pattern, that's what it's going to do. Um, It doesn't think about things segmentally. It thinks about things holistically. Um, So we need to approach things in that regard. If you have a mobility problem, then you probably don't need to spend, you know, two hours stretching out your ankles. You need, you probably need to go straight into it. You need to, I mean, if you want to get better at, better at pistols, by gosh, do pistols, you know, find a way to do it. But there's like, I said, I, I was talking to a guy one time. He's asked me how to, I hear all the time, my ankles are tight. My shoulders are tight. I got to work on this. And I see people in the corner, you know, with the dumbbell on their knee, trying to stretch out their Achilles. I mean, that's a great prep. If you want to prep it, take, take it into squat work or pistol work, but really get a lot more bang for your buck. If you go out there and you do a, um, a five by five with a goblet mini pistol and do like a five second negative with it, something to actually train the tissues while they're contracting and anything that you do when you work on your body needs to be active. If you're doing anything passively we're probably not going to learn as much for us to learn anything we have to be contracting the your muscles contracting is your body learning if they're not really contracting they're not going to learn as much and that's kind of my number two there is 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 how people go about trying to learn a new movement um and it comes back to you know my shoulder tight mobility ankles are tight whatever it is um you just need some good old-fashioned time under tension most of the time. You don't need a whole lot of mobility. Throw as many data points at your body and your mind in the position that you want to be good at, and your body will learn it quicker than you expect. Um, put yourself in the movement you want to learn, and just I think one of the best things to do, I've, I've kind of toned or trademarked this word, as I call it, a ride down. So you know, a lot of folks, they want to get really proficient at a snatch or a clean or something like that, and the, but they just don't have the movement pattern quality to, to be good at that. So they continue to hammer hammer this movement pattern and build weight on a movement pattern that's really, really is, is an injury waiting to happen. So you're just wasting your time. Sit there, and I call it a ride down. If you can't do a proper squat clean, then hit a power clean, control that weight at the power clean, and then slowly ride it down into perfect squat clean form. Um, go, go about it that way. Don't sit there and hammer a pattern that you know in your mind you don't have. Um, go ahead and build up to it. I think that those are the two. Like mobility is a myth. Um, it's really just a byproduct of what you're, of how sta- stable you are. If you're not stable, you're not going to have good mobility. Um, and if you want to learn a movement, put yourself in that movement. And the greatest thing I can tell you is get into the movement, but do it slowly. Right. Yeah. And so one thing I want to come back to there is like when you say mobility is a byproduct of stability, mm-hmm. right? One of the things I see and that I have to stop constantly in our gym is like someone thinks that so they've got pain in their shoulder okay mm-hmm. and we won't get down the road of like pain side just yet i know you want to <laughs> but you know they've got pain in their shoulder and their immediate you know go-to is well i need more mobility mm-hmm. right and so all they start doing is they start like just pretty much hanging on passive tissues you know however they can through a banded distraction or stretching out their shoulder you know doing all that kind of stuff why would that not necessarily be the best route probably to go with that yes so my number one question would be why so you have pain in your shoulder where's that pain associated with uh, most of the time pain is going to be associated with a movement mm. so again the body encodes things via movement patterns it looks at what you're trying to do and it takes the movement patterns that you know and it throws it at that right. so um if you're thinking i need more shoulder i need a better front rack i need more shoulder flexion for this movement you probably don't need more shoulder flexion you need a better movement pattern okay. so i i would come back to that and say get into the pattern and work on that pattern just spend a lot of time under tension i can't hammer negatives enough a five second negative eccentric movement the body's going to learn something twice as fast if you do it slower than if you were just going to go about it at normal speed um so i think we got to start letting our body learn things just by placing it into the position it needs to be not necessarily isolating different movement isolating different pieces of the body but using the body as one right time we're doing it gotcha 
cool. Awesome. So in terms of, I'm just trying to think here in terms of, of movement and mobility, like all the drills and stuff like that that you use, like when you're helping people, you know, the reason why I love sending any of our athletes or anyone of, you know, whether it be CrossFit Lambdown athletes or any of my welded fitness athletes, right? You're right here. I'll send them to you. And what I love about it is you're not having them do a ton of, you know, isolation yeah. banded, you know, internal external rotation. They got shoulder pain. I'm not saying that those things are bad or that yeah. they shouldn't be done. I'm just saying your first reaction whenever I send them to you is you ask that question, just like you just did. What movement is it that's bothering you? Yeah. Right. And then from there, you break down that movement. That's mm-hmm. why you got people in your clinic back here. Like for those of you who don't know, I have an office connected right <laughs> to Sean's clinic. And, you know, you've got people who have, you know, never probably snatched before they came to see Sean. Mm-hmm. And he's got them in here, you know, because they struggle with a hip hinge or they struggle with shoulder pain or whatever it is. He's got them in here, you know, doing these functional movements. And it's progressive and it's smart and all that kind of stuff. But he's one of the only physical therapists I know around that's got people dropping barbells and stuff like that to, <laughs> yeah. to develop resiliency. And for my competitive athletes, they come to him. He's not going to be taking them through a bunch of, yeah, you know, just your typical kind of PT exercise that you might see at a larger clinic. You know, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus by any means, <laughs> but I'm just saying he's going to be doing, he's going to be having them move mm-hmm. and in movement patterns that they're recognizable with, but that they need to clean up yeah. and they need to shore up. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk, uh, we're going to switch gears. So for those of y'all who don't know, me and, me and Sean kind of connect on quite a few different levels just because we have uh, a lot of, I guess, just common ties to other things in our life. We're mm-hmm. both small business owners. Mm-hmm. We're both men of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And those three things are not separated. They all mm-hmm. kind of play a real a real integral role into, into what we do. So um, I want to start with just kind of like some challenges that you've had as a small business owner, mm-hmm. right? Like you've been in business for how long now? Uh, going on three years. Going on three years. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and I've been doing this now as an owner for eight months right yeah. now, I think, recording this podcast. So, you have more time in it than I do, and we're still both learning, you know, <laughs> a lot. Mistakes, yeah. And so, yeah, I just want to talk about, like, you know, what have been some of the struggles with that? What mm-hmm. have been some of the things that maybe you didn't expect? And what have been some things that you, you know, really found that you enjoy? Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of a lot of people, I did this. I got into it because um, I didn't like how things w- were done and where I was at before. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wanted, I had this, I had this mindset. I want to do it. I want to do it my way. I want to do it the way I th- I think is the best way to do it. Um, so I just hopped into that, having yeah. no clue anything else about business. I'm going to be the best physical therapist I can be. And when you're running a business, that doesn't work very well. Right? Yeah. You have to be able. You have to become a great. Um, a great communicator of your message mm-hmm. and I, I think there's th- I, really there's three things that I've learned I've picked this up from failing over and over and over again and I'm gonna fail over and over and over again some more right. um, but I think number one is I think know your message through and through and then scream it as loud as you can whatever yeah. your message whatever you whatever your forte is whatever your niche is whatever it is that you're going after know it to the bone, write a 20-page business plan about it, get it exactly structured so if somebody off the street says, hey, what do you do? You can sit there and you can preach it to them, whatever it is. Yeah. And then scream it as loud as you can. The people who connect with your message are going to come to you. Are gonna, they're going to follow you. And then you have people who who love what you do, who buy into what you do, and those are the people that you want. You know, I, I, That's been the biggest thing for me overall is that I knew my message, but I didn't know how to communicate it. I had to become a better communicator through avenues more, way more than just verbal, through right. avenues of actually mentally meeting people where they need to be, psychologically talking to people about what I do. Right. And, and it took me putting it on paper a billion times to really get it across how I wanted to get it across. Um, I think uh, number two, and this is from John Maxwell, I think it's great, and I didn't, I, I struggled with this for a long time. I still struggle with this because nobody likes to fail, but that is make failure a friend. Hmm. And he, like Maxwell talks about embracing it, like really, like, like he almost looks forward forward to failing because that's going to show him how he can adapt from then on and it's easy to say because it's not fun to fail because oftentimes when we fail as small business owners that means we've lost a lot of money somewhere yeah, right. <laughs> and that's never fun yeah but at the same time is we have to we have to learn from if we can invite that in mm-hmm. then it just it opens up things and it makes you makes you not 
as afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. I think it lets you know that, hey, you kind of put it on the table, I'm going to fail. But when I fail, I'm going to find out how to conquer it. I'm going to find out how to move past it. Right. And um, number three, I got this from a guy in town, EJ Marino. Um, he's, a, he's a business owner in Birmingham, great guy. And um, he said, we were actually talking about leases when he said this, but he, he said, don't take on the posture of a guy who's going to fail. Mm. And I thought that was big. Like, how do, you, how do you carry yourself? Like, do you carry yourself as someone who's just beat down, as someone who, who yeah. is going to fail? Or do you carry yourself like someone who's going to be a success? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's such a huge thing. It's, a, it's Everything comes back to mindset. Like, can, mm-hmm. Is your mindset going to be to wake up in the day and to, and to take everything on head on? No matter what comes at you, you're going to address it and you're going to move past it, or are you just going to walk around like you're defeated? Yeah. And I, we can't walk around as we're defeated or we are going to become what we, what we walk around as. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say those three things have been some of the, the biggest learning points that I've had. Yeah, and so go back to number one, right? Mm-hmm. Like know your message and then scream it as loud as you can, mm-hmm. right? So what would your message be? Like what is your message? My, my message, Vulcan Performance, what we are, we are heavily personalized physical therapy, mm-hmm. and we are rooted in the fundamentals of strength and conditioning. That yeah. is who we are. That is what we do. That is who we connect with, whether you're six years old, whether you're 96 years old. It doesn't matter. We're going to use the strength conditioning principles and we're going to personalize it exactly what you need. And why do we do that? That's because research screams that's what we need to do. Um, We can't take a protocol off the shelf for anyone because everybody's body is entirely different. Everybody has different goals. Everybody has different needs, different wants, different psychological patterns. Everything's so entirely different that if I don't sit there and write a novel or a book for each person that I see, then I'm not going to do them justice. And not only am I not going to do them justice, I'm not going to get any more business from them because I'm not doing a very good job. Right. That's what it comes down to. If you do, if you treat someone right, if you treat someone in what they deserve, because everybody's a human being, everybody has their own story, then why would they ever trust you with anything again? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it flabbergasts me places that don't, I don't know how they get business, to be honest right. with you. Yeah, and that's one thing, I mean, I'll echo that, you know, clearly. Like when I, you know, people ask all the time, like, well, what is CrossFit laminin? What is CrossFit, right? And I'm not about to sit there and tell them CrossFit is constantly varied functional movement at <laughs> high intensity. And if you had asked me 10 years ago, that's exactly what I did. But, yeah. um, you know, they just look at you like, how does that help me, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's what we've gotten to now. Like our mission at CrossFit Lamin is we help people reach their health and fitness goals. Mm-hmm. Like it's that simple. Like that's what we do. You yeah. have a health and fitness goal, great. We got the coaching for you. Yep. Come here. We can help you. Um, but that took a long time. It took a long time to figure out and nail that down to something that's yeah, really succinct, right? And that can just be like, here it is. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you have to structure everything in your business around it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yep. You know? Um, and so number two, right? Make failure a friend. Mm-hmm. What are some ways you've seen that play out just over the past three years? Like, like what's some places in which maybe you failed but now looking back at it you think you know what i learned a lot from that and yeah. now you're learning to kind of be not more risky but not be afraid to fail right yeah i think one of those areas is independence i am i am stubbornly independent and very i, I like to I'm a, I'm a control freak i like to have control in any aspect i can have control in and I think uh, the the biggest area that took me the longest to let go of, and I knew I needed to let go of it, but I just couldn't, is if you're not good at something, then get somebody else to do it for oh, you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I've struggled with a ton is is me always being like, well, I can do it. I can do it myself. I can learn it. I can do it myself. Yeah, you can always learn it, but that's not what I got. It. I didn't get into this thing to, um, I don't know, to to be to be a lawyer. You know, look like legal documents. I didn't get into this thing to be a, to be a CPA to deal with taxes. I didn't get into all that. So, if you don't know something, pass it on to somebody who really does, and it's going to save you a lot of time. It's going to be done the right way. That's that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. I think. Yeah, I think you know, being a small business owner entrepreneur, which I think is the most overused word of <laughs> this century, and it's only 2020, oh. so 2019. So, um, but being in that role, it is so tempting and so hard to not have your hands on everything and yeah. not to want to have your hands on everything because mm-hmm. you know deep down inside, it's just a fear of saying, well, no one's going to do this. 
you know, like I want it done or like with the effort and with the intensity that I'm going to mm-hmm. do it because, you know, this is my livelihood riding on this. Yeah. Right? It's got to be done right. And yeah, that, I think that comes down to the message too. Like if you really know your message, if you really know what, what it is you do, then make it a system. If you can turn it into a system, then that really does mean you know what you're talking about. Right. If you can't turn it into your system, then you're just some individual who has clouds of thought in his head who mm-hmm. can't get it across to anybody else. But if you can make it a system, all of a sudden you've created something organic and something that can breathe on its own without you. Right. I think that's how you truly know your message. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I just I resonate with that a lot because, like you said, you went to PT school to be a physical therapist, right? Yeah. Like you want to <laughs> help people. You want to be working with people. And I, you know, have spent the past 10 years trying to be the best coach that I can be because I'm a coach, yeah. right? Like I'm not a, I don't do well with tracking finances and having to deal either. with, you know, just all the, all the little things that come with being a business owner that they don't, you know, you don't know until you do it, mm-hmm. right? And once you do it, you realize there's a lot more to it, yep. right? Than just being a good PT or just being a good oh, yeah. coach. Um, and that's one thing that I, I would echo that to any you don't need to be taking advice from us because we don't really know what we're talking about and in terms of like being a business owner. We're, we have a short, oh, yeah. short life in this so far. But one of the things I would say is just, yeah, be really good and be okay with delegating. But like Sean said, have systems, have processes in place so that way you can pass on and make sure that it's going to be done the way it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And it also opens up, you know, when a gym space, it opens up the opportunity for you then to be able to, impact the lives of your coaches and your trainers more because you're giving them more responsibility and then they're from from there they can make more money and all that kind of stuff so just don't be afraid to uh yeah to, to get help when you need help mm-hmm. and to let people do the things that you're not good at yeah right um and then number three right which was just a posture right of not uh being afraid to fail or you're not going to fail mm-hmm. right what does that look like you know for in terms of I don't know if there's any decisions you're making right now or any things you have in the business where it's like, okay, I could fail at this or I could not, but I'm not going to carry myself as someone who has the possibility to fail. Yeah, I think it all comes, it all comes back to number one is the message. Do you believe in your message? Do you believe in what you're saying? Do you believe in what you're doing? If you do, if you believe in it, then you have no reason to take on the posture of someone who's going to fail because you have something good. Yeah. You have something that... that if you give it to people, it's going to make them better. If you have something that's going to work. So why would you take the posture of something that's not going to work? Mm, so I think yeah. at the end of the day, there's a difference between being confident and being cocky. And I, there's nothing wrong with being confident in what you're doing. Yeah. If you have the systems and have everything in the place to really back it up. Yeah. Um, so th- if you're taking on the posture of something that's going to fail, you're going to fail. Yeah. So I just, from square A, just go ahead and believe you're going to succeed and go ahead and plan out that success. Yeah. And if you believe in that message, that's going to come through. Like if you believe in your message, you're going to walk around as someone who believes that they're going to succeed. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. I I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, So this is a question off script, but like Mm -hmm. what's one accomplishment that you can think of in the past three years? Like what's one thing that you're probably most proud of in terms of accomplishments that VP2R has been able to do? So there's my favorite thing, honestly, is when I get folks and it's, the better I've got it telling my message, the the more this happens. And it happens, I think I've gotten decent enough to where every time I have a new patient or new client, it happens. But take someone who comes in and they come to physical therapy not really knowing what to expect. They've heard the stories of physical therapy. They kind of know what it's about. And then come in and give them something that's entirely different than what they expected. But at the same time, it's everything they knew it should be. So I say that in a sense, a lot of people come in like what you're talking about, like thinking we're just going to sit on the table and do some very isolated movements um, along that regard. And that's going to, they think that's going to get them better. Well, at the end of the day, we, we know that it's never really the easiest route that gets you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's pretty much the harder route or the harder the route, the more likely that is to be the right way to go. Right. And that's the kind of what, when people come in, they want, um, they, they don't really know what they're looking for, but my job is to give them every ounce of my knowledge that I can as it pertains to their injury or as it pertains to whatever movement they're trying to be good at. Um, so every time somebody comes in and they, they, we start to do these things, and I start to get my message across to them and they, and they start to realize that, hey, this is, this is exactly where I, I need to be. This is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, that's really cool to me because I am I'm giving people something that's very different than what's out there. So when someone sees that and they accept it and they're like, wow, this is, 
this is what I want. I got, I, I still have so many patients and clients who I don't, who I don't treat anymore, but they hit me up all the time, like telling me about like, Hey, I just said a squat PR. Hey, I just, um, um, I've got, uh, one guy who he's 72. Um, and he hits me up telling me all the time, like, Hey, I just picked up, uh, 275 off the floor like stuff like that like that's just that's just cool to me because yeah. he bought into the process so that's probably a huge accomplishment when somebody actually takes your mindset and they start applying it to what they do because they believe in it yeah right and so you know sort of the last thing just talking about faith and kind of how that mm. that works into you know faith business and movement right or faith <laughs> business and physical therapy like how have you kind of seen all of those areas kind of overlap and like, you know, just in terms of like how faith, you know, um, I guess influences how you run your business, right. Or how you go about being ethically responsible with your clients and all that kind of stuff. Like just what's the ways in which you kind of seen those three things kind of interplay between one another. Yeah. So, I mean, every morning, um, I've come up here for, I guess the past six months and every morning I'll get to the clinic and I will do what I call first fruits, which is I'll spend about 15 minutes just um, either praying or getting into the word. And my prayer every day is it's a, a lot a lot of it's different, but there's always a few consistent. So one of those consistent is, Lord, I pray that you make me a good shepherd of not only the patients, but whatever comes in this building today. Yeah. And um, so whether that be money, I mean, I'm just a, if we really have the mindset as Christians that. Um, anything that we're given is only a gift from God and we're going to give it back to him one day, then we've got to be ready to give it back to him whenever he asks for it. So as really, and that's really, really hard to do, but thinking of ourselves as shepherds, but one thing is thinking of your shepherd monetarily, but another thing, I mean, I'm having human beings walk into Mm. the clinic Mm -hmm. and, you know, C.S. Lewis says, if we can see people, what they truly are is either as either something that, because if they're a Christian, they have all this grace and they're shining. Like we want to worship them or somebody who doesn't, it's a little bit different. Like we are shepherding souls at that point. Like how good of a job we're doing of that. And I'm not sitting there talking about, I'm just going to throw the gospel down somebody's throat. I'm just thinking about it. Like I want to treat somebody right. Mm -hmm. Like, Like when they come in, like I don't want, if I'm a reflection of Christ. I don't want to be a poor reflection. I don't want to be a cloudy reflection. I yeah. want to be a reflection that somebody can see and be like, wow, you know, Sean did me right. Like yeah. Sean, Sean did me the right way. And that's really, I mean, that's, that's my prayer every day. And I don't always live up to that by any means. I'm not perfect whatsoever, but I like to think that I do it more times than I don't. Yeah. So no doubt. And that's one, you know, that's one of our core values at Laman is faithful, right? Like we want to be faithful over what God's placed before us and what yeah. he's entrusted to us, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, just like you said, it's not ours, yeah. right? Like it's, it's not it's ours. His. And then the other thing, you know, is just vocation. And I won't go down a big rabbit hole because I won't preach to anyone. Y'all don't want to hear that. But <laughs> in terms of like vocation just being a gift from God, right? And just how... You know, you're seeing people who sometimes are in pain, who sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of times are in pain, or that, or else they wouldn't be coming to see you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're in pain, and they're looking for they're looking for healing, you know, more yeah. or less. And it's one of those things where, okay, they can pray to God for healing, and God is, you know, may heal them, but you may be the vessel through which He does that. Absolutely. Right. And then yeah. you're like, that's just one of those things where we just take for granted God's gifts, but God's gifts are played out through ordinary people, yeah. right, every day. And so just how we do that, um, how we carry ourselves, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, what are some areas in which you kind of struggle with balancing those three things, right? Like with balancing faith and, you know, business and movement. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the hardest areas is... Is, is, is definitely when you get, I, I hate to think of it as a balance. When I think of a balance, I think of scales. You know, I think of like my my faith is on one side, my business and how I treat people is on the other side. They're constantly, I just, I really like thinking of them just intertwined. And, and the way that I like to balance it the most is if the more I can intertwine the two, the more I can bring up um, what I believe and how I live or just organically live it into what I do, into yeah. business, movements a part of my business, into all that stuff. That's really how I like to see it balanced where they're not on two separate sides of the scale. They're both on the same, pl- they're all on the same plate together. Right. Um, and But it's definitely, it definitely can be a struggle. I mean, often like uh, for my company, like, 10% of everything I bring in, I give, you know, and another 10% of that, I, I kind of set aside for an opportunity to give. That's yeah. a struggle. I mean, that's all of a sudden, that's 20% that you have coming in that, that you're not, you're not going to take. And every month I look at it every month, you know, and that, and it's, that's a struggle itself. But again, it comes down to, I'm just a shepherd. I'm just, I'm 
God's given me the ability to do what I do. And yeah. I praise I praise him for that because a lot of folks can't. A lot of folks don't have the ability. Some folks don't have the ability to walk. Yeah. I mean, man, I got the ability to walk into a building and, and, and give my legs to God every day. Yeah. Like, it's, it's stuff like that. And I think the way I try to intertwine them all is just keep them in the same house. Not trying yeah. to separate any of them. Just keep them all together at all times. Yeah, not compartmentalize. Right? Yeah, not compartmentalize. Just yeah. be the same person in and out of the building. Right. Well, cool, man. Um, So to kind of wrap that, like, how do you see VP2R kind of growing and expanding moving forward? Like, what does the future look like for you as a business? And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, So we some exciting things that I think we're going to be getting into moving forward. Um, We're still going to be that heavy personalized physical therapy um, with the foundation of strength conditioning. We're definitely, that's always going to be us. But moving forward, we're getting into some, I've I've talked to you about the older adult, stuff like that. Something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Is is taking these older adults who are 65 plus, 70 years old, these older these older guys who we've kind of neglected them. It's our highest growing population, but it's the population that's the most neglected. We have more research behind these folks than any other group, but they're totally neglected because it's scary to work with these folks. I mean, you you have to be able when somebody comes in like, hey, what's your heart rate? Are you gonna have a stroke in the next five minutes? Like you gotta yeah. look at stuff like that. Like, I mean, if we do this movement, you're probably gonna throw a hip out. So we don't need to do that. Like it, it's stuff like that. But man, it's just there was some research done. Um, and it was they just took people who work out and took people who don't work well, they basically gave people a workout program and then they told the other group to not do anything the people and the people who worked out lived nine years longer than the people who didn't I mean that's pretty significant you're literally giving life to people yeah. and that's something that I, I really want our clinic to get more into just because I'm, I'm really passionate about it I just it I, I, there's been a few things in life where I've been passionate about to this level and I'm really passionate about this because I it's one of the few things I see a massive need for. And yeah. I mean, it truly is. You think of the older, how many times you see anybody at that age in the gym? You you never do. They're heavily neglected and they don't think they can do it. And that's the biggest thing is given, man, like a lot of older people can't can even bend over. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a crying shame when you have, I mean, if we're going to live live, let's live it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that I think that's something that we, my company can really, really contribute to and really address a lot of needs. And that's something we're hopefully going to branch into more and more in the future. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, that's powerful. You know, you think about how much... Uh, how much does adding nine years onto your life actually mean to you in terms of value, right? Paying yeah. a gym membership doesn't seem like that much. When you put it, when you put it like that, you know, it, it really it really does put things into perspective yeah. for you. So, well, man, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. It's been a blast, dude. <laughs> yeah, I love I'm sure we'll, awesome. uh, we'll have you on again in the future. And, I'd love yeah, to. talk about whatever, whatever just comes to mind, whatever comes <laughs> up. So, man, uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Land Fam and Friends podcast with Sean Hiller from Vulcan Performance Rehab and Recovery. You guys can find him on Instagram at VP2R, uh, handle Sean Hiller on Instagram. You can search for him and find him as well as his website. So if any of you guys need any of his services, please go give him uh, a look and uh, see what he has to offer because I'm sure he can help uh, any of you have some aches and pains, nagging injuries, or anything like that. And so, uh, yeah, until next time, we'll see you guys then. Thanks for tuning in.